Welcome to Fitness in the Word with Benjamin Kasanji. It is his will and it has always been his will. He's given healing. He doesn't use sickness. And we've seen in, he tells us in Hebrews, he tells us that he is the express image of the invisible God. And he says in, in, it's in Colossians, that it pleased him that the fullness of the Godhead bodily dwelt in him. In other words, Christ came to represent the Father to us. So if Christ didn't put sickness on anyone, then it is not the will of the Father. He says in Acts 10, 38, how he was anointed with power and the Spirit, who went on doing good, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. So if it is not God's will to heal everybody, then Jesus in his life went against God's will. Yet he tells us that he came to do the will of the Father, and he came to fulfill it. So if healing is somehow not the will of the Father, then Jesus totally went against the will of the Father. There is no time on earth that Jesus encountered anyone sick, and he told them, yours is to teach you a lesson. You don't tithe. You don't pray enough. Praise the Lord. The problem is this, and this is what I've been emphasizing. The Bible tells us that you've made the word of God of none effect because of your, because of your traditions, because of human traditions. And you know, traditions come from a way of life. Okay, traditions are a way of life, but they are influenced by certain things. Now, when you go to Uganda, in many cultures, they carry things on the head, Yeah. You find somebody coming from the shamba, they carry a bunch of matoko on the head. They will carry jerrycans on the head, jerrycans of water. But there are places where you go and they carry things on the back, still in Uganda. You see, that's a different tradition. Why? Most of these people who carry things on their back are in hilly areas. So you see, the center of gravity changes when you're climbing up a hill and you have something on your head. You get what I'm saying? It is easier to bend this way and go. So some of the traditions that we've got in life are because of the experience. So their experience is the hills. And so they've created that. So many of our experiences have been that I prayed for my grandfather and he didn't get healed. So at times God will not heal. It is a tradition that we take. But you see, he says his word is forever settled in heaven. Praise the Lord. His word is forever settled. His word is established the Greek word there, established, is the word that means, is it Hebrew or Greek? But it's the word that means boundaries. It, 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 it's placed as a boundary, like these, these stones they use when, you see, when you buy a plot. What are they called? Yeah, pecans. Yeah. So, so you see, they are, put, they are put to show this is where the boundary is. So he's saying God's word is the boundary. And almost no one has already gone beyond that boundary. It is the boundary. So there are going to be a number of things in our day-to-day -day work that are not in line with the word of God. But this is, if you want to live a life of victory, this is what you do. You don't change the word, the word of God to fit your circumstances. It is you that allows God to change you to fit his word. He tells us in, in, in 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18, he says, as we look... But we all with unveiled face, beholding, you see, beholding is 
continuous. It is not as behold. It is beholding. In other words, we continue. As in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as the Spirit of the Lord. As we behold in a mirror, James 1 tells us that the mirror is his word. He that looks in the perfect law of liberty. And that is the word that he's referring to. Because from verse, what is it, 23, he says that a man who looks at himself in the mirror and forgets which manner of man he is, he say, be doers of the word and not hearers only. So we can hear, but there are challenges that are going to come. There are things that are going to come in our way that are a bit different from what the word of God says. But let's look at Jesus. Let's know Jesus. This year has begun. Let's desire to know Jesus more than we know any prophet in the Bible. I'm not saying we should not read about them. But you see, a lot of what we see in the Old Testament was a type of the things to come. He says in Hebrews that these were a shadow of the things to come. But the real substance is Jesus. So Jesus is the real substance. These were a shadow. Praise the Lord. And you know, many times the shadow is not perfect. It depends on where the light is being cast from. Some of you in the morning, you're taller than. You get it. If we were just to go by your shadow, we would consider you a tall person. Hallelujah. Thank God that at least shadows are not perfect. Because once every day you get opportunity to be taller than you are. And then the tall people also get opportunity to be shorter than they are. So <laughs> when it comes to shadow, we all can't brag. <laughs> so the shadows fell short. That is why the real substance had to come. And that is why he wants us to take the eyes off the shadows onto the real substance. That we have always given this example of when Elijah called down fire to consume these people. When Jesus had a similar opportunity, he rebuked John and James for telling him to call down fire on people who had rejected Jesus. And he said, you don't know what spirit you're operating by. Which means, if Jesus had been there when Elijah was calling fire upon people, Jesus would have rebuked Elijah. So in Elijah being the shadow, maybe that was the time where the light was somewhere, where the shadow was not the perfect representation of the real substance. Praise the Lord. And you're going to see that there are many things you see in the Old Testament that Jesus comes and they are reflected in Jesus. You see Moses in Exodus, God tells him, no bone of the lamb should be broken. Praise the Lord. And you see they get this lamb. They, the, the lamb was monitored. The lambs, they used to monitor the lambs for three and a half years. The lambs that they used to sacrifice. They used to monitor them for three and a half years to be spotless and what? Jesus came and he lived for three and a half years. He ministered for three and a half years. That was a lamb being monitored. And then he was, he was crucified. He was put on the cross. That is when the lamb was killed. And Jesus was put on the cross before these other guys. When the Sabbath was coming, they would normally go and break their bones because when they are still alive, because everyone is going to leave. The guards are going to leave. They're not going to be there to watch over these guys hanging on the cross. Jesus was put last was found dead, and there was no need to break his bones. To fulfill what God told Moses, no bone of the lamb shall be broken. You see, now you start looking at such things, and you see, okay, yeah, they were a shadow of things to come. And a number of things that he, that he talks about in the, in the Old Testament. But now we have the real substance. If we are seeing Elijah, let us see him through Jesus. If we are seeing Elisha, let's see him through Jesus. If you are seeing Jonah, let's see him through Jesus. 
Jesus himself said when in, in John chapter 10, he said that the ones that have, become, have come before him are thieves. They were the hirelings. They are thieves. In other words, when it comes to representing the Father, they fell short. They didn't represent the Father perfectly. And you see, many times even the Father rebuked them. Never do you see Jesus being rebuked by the Father. Not even one time on earth. You remember Elijah, prophet, seer, with a very sharp prophetic eye. He could not tell that there were 7,000 prophets, at least if it was one hiding. But 7,000, master prophet, cannot see. Yeah? He cannot see. He can't see in the spirit that there are 7,000 prophets in the land. You know, that's a big number for you to miss them. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. It is a very big number to miss. And you see, he's there, oh, I'm the only one left, and what? And before God rebukes him, he gave him food. How many know that some of the problems church people bring to pastors, if you give them food, they would... <laughs> <laughs> some people even think they are in love. Oh, that girl, she's rejecting me, and what? Take them to KFC. Give them food. <laughs> they forget about that girl. <laughs> food solves many issues. Even God. This guy, is God would have reached and had a conversation. like, this guy is hungry. Like, give him some food. <laughs> and the guy was fed and he started becoming sober. <laughs> Hallelujah. But we see that. Look at, look at Jonah. Jonah goes to Nineveh, and he wants his prophecy to come to pass. He wants them to be destroyed. <laughs> and when God spares them, he complains. I knew you would spare. So he knew God. Yeah. And you can see how his heart was so far from the heart of God. He said, I knew you would spare them. That's why I didn't want to go in the very first place. I didn't want to go. I knew you would spare them. You see, God's heart is revealed there. Praise the Lord. So today, there are many prophets today who are operating in the Old Testament. Because they've chosen that to be, a, to be their example. But Jesus is the best example that we can look to. Praise the Lord. That is why he says that as we grow, we are growing in that perfect stature of him. We are growing in that stature of Christ. We're not, if you're a prophet, you're called to be a prophet, grow into Jesus the prophet. If you're called to be an apostle, grow into Jesus the apostle. If you're called to be a teacher, grow into Jesus the teacher. Praise the Lord. And see how Jesus blessed people. See how Jesus didn't curse people. See how Jesus, yeah? You know, you would think he would curse Judas Iscariot. You would think he would curse Peter. Hallelujah. But it is amazing, the love that we see. And from many scriptures, you will see that he was moved by compassion. He looked at them and he was moved with compassion and he healed them. Let me explain something about that scripture. I think it's Matthew, Matthew 9, no Matthew 8. You, you get it. And Jesus looked at them and he was moved with compassion. He healed them. We really believe that, we believe that Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit all the time. Because you see, you hear people saying, has God told you they are going to get healed? You see, when they see you going to pray for the sick, has God told you they are going to? Praise the Lord. But you see, Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved toward them, and he healed them all. He was moved with compassion, and he healed them all. Jesus saw them, and he was moved with compassion, and he decided to heal them. Praise the Lord. You see, he would not say he was moved, because if every time he's being led by the Holy Spirit, he would not put for us that he was moved. 
He will not ask people, what do you want? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Healing is ours as children of God. And the more we behold in a mirror, the more we see what God says about these things and are transformed into his likeness, yeah? The less and less and less failures we will see. I believe it is in our generation that we are going to have meetings where all are healed. There's a meeting by A.A. Allen. Pinkar W. Shambach speaks about this meeting. During the tent revival, there's a meeting. Go... Uh, there are many clips of R.W. Shambach talking about A.A. Allen, if you go and look. But there is a meeting where A.A. Allen was. And when he came for this meeting, I think it is the, meet, is it the meeting where the child who needed 26 miracles was healed. I've heard of the child that needed 26 miracles. But in this meeting, the glory of God came before he started preaching, just as he started ministering. And it started raining inside the tent, not outside the tent, but inside the tent, it started raining. And Every sick person who came that day, they walked forward healed. First six blind people took their walking aids and moved to the front. They could see. People that had hearing aids took them out and they could hear. Lame people in wheelchairs came out and A. Allen was just standing at the stage. And he says, God whispered to him and told him, this had nothing to do with you. I've pulled back the veil to see you what I'm going to do in the latter days. I've pulled back the veil to see what I'm going to do with my church. At a time is coming where all shall be healed, like in the days of Jesus. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And you see, many times we will quote, we will speak about, uh, we'll speak about, oh, but when Jesus was in, when Jesus was in his city, he could not heal them. First of all, I want to explain this. His city, they didn't love him. You get it? Have you ever gone where they don't love you? Have you ever gone to your family that is cynical and skeptical? Tell them, guys, tomorrow, after lunch, I want to pray for anyone that is sick. And they're in their bedrooms on Facebook and what? They are telling you, we don't want to come. We don't even believe in this that you believe. So, uh, let's, let's, read, let's, let's, let's read there. Let's read Mark's account. Let's read Mark 6. Let's start from 1. And he went out from thence and came into his own country. And his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath, day, the Sabbath day was come, and he began to teach in the synagogue, and many hearing him were astonished, saying, From whence hath this man these things? And what wisdom is this which is given unto him, that even such mighty works are wrought by his name. In other words, they had seen some mighty works. These guys had seen some mighty works. And to follow properly and see why he could not do many miracles there. Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and of Judah and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him. But Jesus said unto them, a prophet is not without honor, but in his own country and among his own kin and in his own house. And he could there do no mighty works, save that he laid his hands upon a few sick folk and healed them. Praise the Lord. I believe these people, 
they stumbled on who he was eventually. Familiarity came in. They were there listening and like, wow, this guy is powerful. This guy is serious. He carries an anointing. Then they're like, wait a minute. Isn't this the carpenter? And the Bible says they were offended. Most probably many walked away. Most probably many didn't come when he called to pray for people. But he tells us that the ones, if he says that he laid hands upon a few sick folk and healed them. The ones that he laid hands on, he healed them. He doesn't say he laid on them and some were not healed. He said he just laid on a few. He laid hands on a few. Praise the Lord. He laid hands on a few and healed them. And if that does not suffice, what suffices is, okay, Let's say those people there didn't get healed. Praise the Lord. Then there are few. You're only going to give one example or two examples still. And yet he said he came to do the will of the Father. He was anointed by the Holy Spirit and of power, with power. And he went on doing good and healing all that were vexed. He went on doing good. That was good. Him healing all these sick people. And right when we see from the Old Testament, we see his covenant names. He gives us his covenant names and we say that he's a God that does not change. So you talk about him as Jehovah Jireh. He provides. He sees far and he provides. That's his name. That's his nature. Praise the Lord. We call him Jehovah Shalom. He's the God of peace. He gives peace. He brings peace. We call him Jehovah Shammah, the one who is present. And we call him all these. So if we say that his desire is not to heal and he does not heal anymore, what happened to Jehovah Rapha? We say he's a God who does not change. Did his nature change? So he doesn't bear that name anymore, Jehovah Rapha. He bears all the other names apart from Jehovah Rapha. Because this is the first covenant name that he gave to them when they came out of Egypt. He told them, I'll put none of these diseases upon you. And he said, I am the God that heals your disease. That's Exodus 15, 26. He says, I'm the God that heals your disease. Praise the Lord. Proof that this is his desire. How I desire that we get convinced of this. And you see, he's told us, as good soldiers, endure hardship. Many people will ask and say, if it is really his will to heal, why is it that not everyone that you pray for gets healed? Do you think it is his will to save people? Everyone you preach to has got born again? You get what I'm saying? Because many sects in Christianity that will criticize healing, they evangelize. They say, why do you go out and heal? What if it's not God's will? Then why do they go out soul winning? What if it's not God's will? Because some people don't get born again. Isn't it? Yes, yeah, some people will not, go, will not get born again when you go and preach. But we know it is because salvation, forgiveness has already been released. Praise the Lord. 
So we go out on that account that he paid for their sins, that he gave for their sins. And as many as we go to, we increase the chance of seeing many born again. It is the same thing with healing. Healing was already paid for. Isaiah 53, he tells us he bore our pains and our infirmities in his body. And by his stripes we are healed. And Peter comes and says, by his stripes we were healed. Praise the Lord. When he tells Timothy, fight the good fight of faith. I've always explained this. It is the fight of faith. What is faith? Faith is believing what Christ has already done. That is faith. Like a daring to, committing yourself to that that Christ has already done. Believing it among us all circumstances. That you become like Abraham. That who did not stagger or waver at the promises of God. Knowing that he who had promised was also able to fulfill. Romans 4.20. It's Abraham did not stagger or waver at the promises of God. In other words, he says, neither consider the deadness yeah, of his wife's woman. What? So in other words, he, every time he looked at Sarah, he told her, you don't look like you're 90. <laughs> you look so beautiful. This is the other king. When you were 80, that king wanted to steal you from me. Imagine. She was 80 and she showed up in the kingdom. And among all the girls and the virgins that had been kept for the king, his eyes got onto Sarah and he's like, wow. Call that lady. <laughs> and she was 80 or 75. She was an old lady. But he says he did not consider. And I've always shared when this began, when God asked Abraham, is there anything too hard for God? So he did not, that was the fight of faith. What is on the outside? But what does the word of God say? So Paul is telling Timothy, fight to stay believing. It is trying to know there is persecution in the church in Ephesus. It is trying to know people are being killed. It is trying to know widows are being killed. It is trying to know this. But fight to hold on to that which God has said. Don't let these circumstances make you lose grip of what God has already given. And that is why in the body of Christ, healing has been fought a lot. If there is any area where there is a fight of faith, it is in healing. Because the church attacks it, the world attacks it. Everyone attacks it. No one will attack you as long as you sing a hymn in church. You get it. Praise the Lord. If there are spies here from other sects that don't believe in these things, as we were saying, I surrender to God, they raise their hands. Praise the Lord. And when we start talking about healing, they're like, <laughs> not that one. So healing is something where we need to... Let me give you this story of John G. Lepp. John G. Lepp, there is a statement he made, but I'll get that statement and I'll, I'll quote it for you one of these days. But John G. Lepp grew up in a family where, I don't remember which denomination they were, but they totally didn't believe in healing. And how many people died? I think more than five people, like siblings, what in their family, people were dying and dying. And then he heard of healing. He heard of Alexander Dowie. The people are getting healed there. So he wrote him a letter to pray for them. He pursued it. One of the greatest healings was his wife was shot accidentally in the back. And they didn't take her to hospital. Now they went to the extreme, praise the Lord. Just like every move of God has gone to the extreme. There is nothing wrong if you go to hospital. But you see, they didn't go to hospital because they were pursuing this. They thought that if you went to hospital, you're wrong, you're not in faith, you're not, God is against that. And the wife could not allow to be taken to hospital. 
and they believed. They prayed day and night. Until that back was healed, straightened, they pursued it. There was a fight of faith. You fools, you foolish people. And it came at a cost. They had many people that died. And he longed, he committed his life to pursue this. That if it is really in the Bible, I'll see it. And today it is very hard to talk about healing and not talk about John G. Lake. You see? John G. Lake in Spokane, in South Africa. Great, great healings that came from this man. But he pursued it. There was a fight of faith. So at times when we are in an environment where some truths of God are not necessarily believed, there is going to be a kind of fight, a fight of faith. And it is not because God has not released it. It is because there are a number of mindsets that you're dealing with. Praise the Lord. There are mindsets that you're dealing with. And that's why at times it's even harder to minister to born-again people. Because they've been in church a lot, they've learned many phrases. When people come to be healed, they come for a prayer. Praise the Lord. So when you say, be healed, hey, I traveled all the way from Nakur, boarded a bus to just hear, be healed. He didn't even take eight minutes praying for me. I want a prayer that is worth my journey. You see, because, because they are religious. But you see, it is only in James, where James is saying, is any sick among you, let him go to the elders. They will anoint him with oil, and the prayer of faith shall heal the sick. But you see, all other places, we never see anyone praying for the sick. You never see Peter praying for the sick. You never see Jesus praying for the sick. You never see... So should we pray? Yes. But what should we pray? Especially, you see, prayer really, 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 really helps the believers because they are the religious ones. The people you find out there in the bush in East Pokot who have never heard that Jesus heals, and you tell them, I've come and I'm a representative of Jesus. They're like, who is Jesus? So let's begin with your hand. He wants to heal your hand right now. All that pain you feel is going to leave your hand right now. You touch their hand and say, pain, leave. They are amazed. They will try to lift that hand immediately. Because you see, they were not expecting a prayer. They were, not, they were expecting to be healed. So, but now when a Christian comes, you see, you start this way. Father, thank you that you've given me authority over sickness. Thank you that I am a child of God. And you've said, I'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Hallelujah. Then after that, you command. Because you, there is nothing to pray about people to be healed. He said, go lay hands on the sick. He said, cast out demons. You command. You don't pray for demon-possessed people. Father, thank you for this person. Please take away the demons. No. He told you, cast out demons. So it is the same thing that you see when Jesus came to the tomb of Lazarus. He prayed. But what was his prayer? It was a similar prayer. Thank you that you've already had me. But because of these ones that are here. So if they were not there, he would have just come and said, Lazarus, Lazarus, come out. Because we command. And that is why someone is like, so is it wrong? Is it in faith to pray twice for healing and what? You see, to, to, it, it is not wrong because every time, if you're praying every time, you grain your faith. At times, persistent faith is what causes you to pray more because you really believe it is going to happen. Praise the Lord. But you see, if you understand ministering or rebuking, to the, pain, rebuking the pain more and more, there is nothing wrong with that. You get it? You'll pray and say, Father, thank you that you've anointed me. Thank you that you love this brother of mine. And when Jesus took those stripes, this brother of mine was counted among those that were to benefit. 
And right now, in your name, I command this pain, leave. And you ask him, how do you feel? I feel a little better. It is not wrong for you to command it again. Why? Because if he feels a little better, that means you hit the target. There is no way you would feel better if you didn't hit the target. So you hit again. You see, if you, you, uh, these beams, these are concrete beams, and there are nails that we can't drive in this beam. So you try with a hammer to drive nails, and the nail just bends, you stop. But when you drive in a nail, and you realize, what? It entered. You hit again. Because you hit again. You hit again until it is fully in. Jesus came and prayed for this man. He ministered to him. He didn't pray for him. But this man that was blind, when he came to him, he put soil on his eyes and told him, when he came back, what do you see? I see like trees, like what? Jesus laid hands on him again. He made it perfect. Praise the Lord. So it is healing, and that is why we never, we never give up on this. There, you see, it talks about healing. Definitely we should always prepare people for the instant, but many people forfeit their healing because they only think it happened when they saw the instant. When they come and they're like, live in Jesus' name. They check. It just, I don't feel anything. So you go, ah, I'll come back tomorrow and they will pray for me. So they stop believing. But you see, when Jesus prays for the lepers, when, he, when they are going on their way, the Bible says, as they went, as they went, they were healed. We don't know how long they were going. These guys used to walk distances. We don't know if they went for three days, if they went for a week, if they went for one day. But it did not happen right there when Jesus was with them. It did not happen. It did not happen. And many times, there are many testimonies that have come that way. Even in this ministry, there are many people that have come that way. Something happened and it continued to happen and it continued to happen. And eventually it was not there. Why? You continue in that faith. You continue believing what was done. And you continue beholding as in a mirror. Praise the Lord. And you're transformed into that that he wants you to be. A life free of that thing. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So as a, then there is also this about, about intercession, yeah? People will say, first of all, don't intercede for people who are before you. Okay. You have a sick person here, don't intercede for them. Rebuke the sickness. You get it? Intercede for those that... Yeah, oh, your mother is where, in which place? Sephar, thank you that there is no distance in the spirit. Thank you that you sent your word and healed their disease and delivered them from their destruction. Right now, where her mother is, I speak life in her body. Life from the top of her head to the soles of her feet. And you see, many times when ministering healing, and then you start feeling the condition that is on this person. Now, doctrines have been built around that meaning that God is allowing you to bear the burden, to bear the pain of this other person. And I used to believe that. I used to think it is that. But I don't believe that. I believe it is, it is, like, it is like retaliation. You get it? You've hit the target. It is just like, I like Carrie Black talks about this. I like how he says the example. Imagine if, if some people are fighting out there. And you know that you are fit. You are fit properly. Hallelujah. So there is a group of people, they are fighting against one person. You go to help that one person. 
This group, you kick one of their lead, or their leader, you kick his neck properly until he feels it, until he can't speak. You know that, that kick that like you use here, not you get it properly. And it, uh, uh, then his friends will see. You see, they will leave this one guy they are beating and they will come to you because you hit the target. Praise the Lord. So at times when interceding, or at times even when laying hands on people, you'll feel this. But you see, it's just meant to, instead of, oh, God is giving me their burden and what, and you let the devil win. But it's the time to know, yeah, I hit him. Otherwise, he would not come after me. You get this? I hit the group. They would not come after me. If they didn't feel it, they would not come after me. I had impact on them. Praise the Lord. Yeah. And these are some of the things that are misconceptions that have come up in but from the word of God we see God wants us to be healed and God wants us to go set people free in his name. Like we, are, we were singing and saying, fall like fire, soak like rain, and let a flame burn, yeah? To glorify your name. Now let this flame burn in my life, that your name may be glorified. That is not normally an easy thing because... You're going to be, and that is why we are seeing, I surrender. Like God has told us to prepare this year for what God is doing, for the move of God that is coming. There are things that are not going to be cool in the world, but are we going to choose him over every, every other thing? Are we going to, call to, 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 to choose him? Yeah? People will say, remember, you, if you've read of Randy Clark, Randy Clark is the one who was in the Toronto revival and some other revivals around the world. But, you know, when he's criticized, the criticism is, you're doing these healings to show off. You're doing these things so that people, you're drawing attention to you. And it's like it is actually the opposite. If you know the price that has been paid because of doing these things. I was a Baptist. I went to Bible school and what? And I wasn't attacked like this as long as I was normal, as long as I just stood behind the pulpit and gave a sermon and say, that is the word of the Lord. And we walked out. CNN didn't write about me. Radio stations didn't come after me. So it is, it, many times you see, many people admire it. But when we say, I'll never be the same. Whatever you want, do in my life. It is going to come with repercussions. Yeah. There are people, not everyone is going to celebrate that you're moving in healing. You're going to be maligned. Things are going to be written about you. Things are going to be said about you. They are going to look for only those that were not healed when you laid hands on them. And they are the ones they are going to show. They are going to neglect. I like T.L. Osborne went to Sweden. And you see, many of these countries there, there is a lot of atheism, Scandinavian countries and all those countries in that corner. So he's being interviewed. Are you here to raise the dead again and what? And he told them, don't blame me for the things that are happening. You've had the things happen, don't blame me. And later after, they, they, they came to him and they're like, but there's this lame man, wherever, Stockholm, wherever, who did not walk. This lame man came for your meeting and did not walk. And Osborne asked them, why is it that all these years you waited for me to come for you to be concerned about that lame man? Haven't you been seeing him all these years? It is now that I'm here that you're concerned that he's not received his healing. You see, hypocrisy, cynical people, that is how they are. So we forget about that and we know Jesus was moved with compassion. Do you love these people so much that you see you're helping somebody? 
You're helping somebody. It is just like at times on the streets when we are helping people. We don't care what people are going to say about us. You get it? We've got people who are drunk on the road. And you see, it looks weird when these people are puking on you. You're carrying them. You're taking them to their house. Or certain things that happen in the house. But you see, you're there to help. How do we go to the sick? We are there to help. I only came to help. And if it is in that, you've only come to help. You've only come to do what Jesus wants to see in these people's lives. There is no shame about it. And you will keep going after it. Or Robert said that until you hate the works of the devil as much as you love God, it is going to be very hard for you to see the power of God flow in your life. Until you hate the works of the devil. And that is what happened to John G. Lake. That is what has happened to, 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 to a number of us. We've lost people. We've been sick. Praise the Lord. And we can't settle for less. You see, every time you feel like, maybe I should stop this and just do normal life that people are celebrating, you remember the torment you went through. I remember my two uncles that died and I was a boy and how it affected me. I remember my granddad, me not being able to play with my granddad, paralyzed. He had a stroke from when I was is it two years of age. I've never seen him walk until he died. You see, when I remember those things, I'm like, no. At least if I can make some children get opportunity to play with their granddad, it will be fulfilling, even if it's just one granddad. Because of this that has happened, praise Jesus. And you see, you keep going. Uh, when it does not happen, you go to the next one. You go to the next one. Because God has called us for this. God has anointed you for this. He wants to redo this in Kenya. He said, do it again in this nation. And he will do it beyond whatever has happened in Kenya. I've always talked about people like Apostle Jokayo. And there was Apostle Morima. There was the one from Banana. What was her name? Margaret Wangari. Yeah. These people carried the power of God and they saw things. Where are the people that they handed these things to? My dad got born again when Jokayo came to Uganda. He came to Makere University. And they went there. My dad was in high school, 1970, 70-something. 70 and you see, he, he loved God, but he used to wonder, what if Muslims are the right? What if Catholics are the right? You see, he had that battle. He prays to God, can't you just show me? And Jokayo showed up. And he said, do you if Jesus does the things he did in the Bible days, would you believe in him? He said, bring three lame people here, three deaf people here, and three blind people here. And they were all healed. My dad said his heart just exploded. He just felt this is the thing. This is the thing. God born again, God filled with the Holy Spirit, started speaking in tongues. My father-in-law, back in school here in Kenya, Jokao visited their high school. I think he was in Form 1. And the power of God fell in that school. And my wife's dad also got born again. I believe this is divine. And we meet many years later. They all got born again in the 70s. And like both our dads were led to Christ by one man who allowed to be ridiculed. He was ridiculed. That man went through things. as a price that he paid. And there are many people that he raised, but many have played it safe also. Have not gone so much to the, to the borderline. But you see, we should be ready and say, God, we're not going to play it safe. We want you. It is you. He's the solution to this nation. He's the solution to Kenya. He's the solution everywhere. Praise the Lord. And so when we, when we limit how he flows, we deprive people. 
when we limit how he flows. Look at the people in the Bible. Atheists and scholars, philosophers, have tried to explain away the death and resurrection of Jesus. And the more they try, the more they arrive at it. You get it? First of all, one of the things that stands out, even if you go on YouTube and just look at some of these things, one of the things that stands out, there was totally no gain for the disciples to claim that Jesus was raised from the dead. There was no gain. So you see, they tried to twist it in a way like, okay, maybe they wanted this. There was nothing. Because they just ended up in prison. They, the way they were convinced, philosophers are like, this must really have happened. Because it would have, with the persecution that went on, it would have been easy for them to say, yeah, it's true, his body was stolen. But they said, we saw him. We saw, they tried to, so they tried to get the, the life of Peter, analyze the life of Peter, and they're like, what, what was the benefit? What were they going to gain in them telling people that Jesus is alive? The way they were so persuaded, it must have been true. It, it must have happened. Praise the Lord. So look at how much they wanted him that they went through whatever they went through. Apart from John, history, history says all the other apostles were martyred. They were all beheaded. The other ten, they were all not beheaded, but they were killed. They were martyred. Thomas in India, Peter by Emperor Nero, even Paul, many of these people, they chose not to deprive us. If these guys had been cowards, maybe we would not be here today believing the things that we believe. They decided not to go with the status quo. They saw, that's why I think that's why Paul says, I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. But yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Who loved me and gave himself for me. These guys could not go over that. They could not get done with that. That this man loved me and he gave himself for me. Jesus loved me and gave himself for me. What is too big to do for him? What is too big to say yes to? He loved me and gave himself for me. When he didn't need to, praise the Lord. When I did not call on him, he came and gave himself for me. I'll say yes to him. I'll always say yes to him. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Let's bow our heads. <laughs> 